This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Friday, November 20th, and uh, yeah, it's a Thursday, November 19th when we're recording this, so I can kind of sneak this in. Happy uh, engagement anniversary to me. Got engaged like uh, eight, eight years ago, maybe that sounds right. Happy people, birthday to my cousin, Karen. People, people anniversary that? Nah, Wait, my wife texted me about if it. If you're going to interrupt the show to wish a happy engagement anniversary, you'd think you would know the year that you're <laughs> celebrating. It's, it's kind of an empty uh Wish here, Brinson. Well, no, because we got engaged in November and then married in June. So I don't, I don't know. More <laughs> importantly than that, we have a special guest for tonight's Thursday night football recap. The one, the only fellow podcaster, good friend of the show, Brian McFadden at BMAX Sports Talk. What's up, buddy? What's up, fellas? How you doing, man? It's a great day to be alive. It is a great day to be alive. Uh, I wrote, I like to, you know, I like to try to put some motivational slogans around my house. Nobody listens to them, but I try anyway. Uh, my favorite one is, uh, Jim Harbaugh's attack each day with an, with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. How's that working out for him? <laughs> <laughs> it's not working out for me either. I'm like limping out of bed. I, yeah. <laughs> it's like we almost put Brenton on the DL. That's why BMAX here. He almost had to host the show because Brenton's about to go on injured reserve. Uh, before, that, before we dive into this, uh, the, so the Cardinals played on Thursday night. Yep. And that means that Patrick Peterson played. Patrick Peterson is not only BMAC's cousin, but also his co-host on All Things Covered, which is, uh, frankly, eh, I don't want to say second best NFL podcast to CBS, like T1. Can we do tie, tie for first? It can be second. It can be second. It can <laughs> no, be third. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, it is, you guys are crushing it. The, every week you guys have, it's like, all right, well, okay, they had Mike Tomlin and like Jamal Adams and DeAndre. I mean, who else? Is, like every week, I'm like, all right, at some point, these guests are going to slow down, and it gets better every week. And they give you guys great stuff. It's inside access from you and Pat P talking to an athlete, and they open up Jamal Adams, who's a great dude and an honest guy. Give you all great stuff this week. G- give us the uh, give us the rundown of why people need to subscribe this excellent podcast well you kind of said you know said it best you know just guys you know opening up um not necessarily giving you the generic uh conversational pieces that you see in interviews post game interviews and things like that it's just unfiltered you know we try to uh you know bring the barbershop feel the living room feel the basement feel the front porch feel when guys are just chopping it up having fun like cameras are not really uh on you uh, the lights are not on you and i think that has been something that has been Pretty impressive, I think, for all of us because we're kind of new to this stage, uh, especially Pat. You know, he's used to being the guy that's, you know, receiving the questions and now he's asking the questions. So uh, he's done a great job in adapting to that atmosphere. But guys are just being relaxed and being cool. And I think that's been the most intriguing thing about 
the conversational pieces we've been having with some of these outstanding athletes or sports personalities, guys are just coming on and gals. We have some females also. We had Joy Taylor from uh, FS1. Uh, we had, uh, uh, Joy Taylor, uh Joy, you know, Joy Taylor and I used to host Thursday night football, the Thursday night football show on, on CBS sports. Yeah. Well, yeah, she did say she started off yeah, you know, with, with us. Yeah. There's actually yeah. a picture of me in a, uh, is it, who's the, who's Don't the girl? Say, that, oh, okay. At Halloween, Jamie Eisenberg and Dave Richard made me dress up as uh, Wilma Flintstone. <laughs> is Wilma the one in orange? Yep. You, you know. Yeah. I had to wear a dress the entire show. Um, anyway, but yeah, no, I mean, like it's, it's, I, I like to think BMAC that, you know, you, you, you got some of the, the front porch feel, the relaxed, unprepared vibe from this podcast, hanging out with us for, for as long as you did. Uh, I do have a question for you, though. What'd you get? Your, your producer. Give me a rating on a one to 10 scale. What do you think? Oh, he's awesome. I think he's the best producer in the land. I agree. I agree. I think he's the best producer. Might be, might be the hardest working producer when it comes to podcasting in the land. I, I, I can't disagree. Breach. Is there a podcasting producer awards that we can nominate Debo for? I mean, if not, we should create that, right? Is I'm that in, possible? I'm, we'll run it. So we can kind of fix it if we run it, you know? Yeah. We'll make I sure like Debo it. wins. Debo, we'll get you a trophy made. Uh, maybe, I appreciate maybe this, guys. Maybe can donate one of the ones behind him. Yeah, I'm, we get one of these. I, I will say <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. I will say, you know, both very talented in their own rights. Very different working experience with with Mac <laughs> and Princeton. <laughs> Well, one of us is a professional athlete who's spent their entire lives preparing arduously for opponents and uh, individual circumstances. And the other, as I said at some point today on one platform or another, sort of drinks some IPAs and floats through life trying to make it work and making sure nothing blows up. Now, you can decide whether that was BMAC or me I'm talking about. I mean, <laughs> you can assign the various characteristics there. Here, I have a question for you. And by the way, BMAC's podcast with P, with Pat P, I, I love. I love it's really, it's, it's really, really good. I love especially because when they talk to, to my guy, Mike Tomlin, that is the only time in the 13 years Mike Tomlin's been at Pittsburgh where he has opened up talk because he does not like talking to the media. He says the same thing over and over again. You could tell standard he was genuinely happy standard. to talk to BMAC. And, um, he loosened up, so that was great. But I want to ask you something, BMAC. Is there any sport, even any game, that you think Brinson could beat you at? Ooh. Uh, I got a couple. Uh, Go ahead. Well, I'll probably, I'll pro- I probably would say pool. Ooh. My pool game is inconsistent. Now, if you catch me on the wrong night, you're going to get lumped up real decent. <laughs> if you catch me on the wrong night, you get lumped up real decent. But sometimes I, I get, I get, I'm inconsistent and I'm, and I'm so annoyed with it because I don't like losing to anything. And I feel like pool should be a game after a few games. You should be able, not necessarily master, but mm. pretty good. Hit that consistent stride. So me personally, I might say, I might give Brinson pool, but I don't know how good he is when it comes to playing pool either. Okay, a, a pool is a good pool is a good one. I think I think I can take in pool. I'm a pretty good pool player. You've My downside is I'm really short, so I can't make the long shots. But I, I have a good con- like conception of angles and stuff. <laughs> you, do, well, I do. I, I have, I'm great at geometry, so I'm going to. I'm you. good at on the fly like quasi buzz geometry. I think bowling is one. Maybe I could take you. Ah, uh, I bet uh, me back in bowl. I got a funny story. I got a funny story about bowling, though. Um, I'm 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 a right-handed guy. You know what I mean? I've always been a righty. So when I broke my arm, I think 2008, and I had to have surgery, that forced me to learn how to bowl with my left hand. So now my spin is not as good as it used to be because I had a heck of a spin with my right hand. So now when I bowl with my left hand, because for some reason when I hold a bowling ball with my right arm, it's extremely painful. 
I mean, I could have an eight-pound ball and it's still extremely painful. So now I have to bowl with my left hand, and that's no fun. But I'm not, I'm not coleslaw, so meaning I'm spinner. bad. I'm not a bad yeah. bowler. And that's I just the difference not... between B-Mac and Brinson is that if Brinson did that to his hand, he quits the sport and never plays again. B-Mac's practicing with his left hand and saying, I got my spin back. <laughs> well, now I'm a little worried. If B-Mac's a big spinner guy, I'm sort of more of a technician, hit the corner, like hit the corner side of the front pin and try and knock it down and pick up the spares. Uh, I was also going to suggest golf. And, uh, yeah, you beat me in golf. I'll give you that, Will. You, 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 I'll give you that. What, one. what about ping pong? Ooh. No. no. <laughs> I'm pretty good at ping pong. Oh, tennis. No. I'm good at tennis. No. No, you're not yeah. beating me in tennis. Well, here's the thing. Even if B Mac has never played tennis in his life, he is a, <laughs> I agree with this. He's a I professional athlete. <laughs> I mean, he's anything when it comes to being mobile, <laughs> moving around a little bit. I don't care if I never played. I'm not letting you beat me. B Mac, what about this? How much of a head start does Brinson get on the 40 before you get worried? That's ridiculous. No, I said how much of a head start? Right now? Yeah, hey, right I've been now. retired for a long time. So, so is he. B- B- B-Mac, I don't care if you've been retired for 30 years. Like, we've been around each other. I mean, it's only 40, so I can't give him 30. I know he can get me if I gave him 30 yards, so I'd probably say 20. <laughs> Who wins that breach? If I got a 20-yard head start on you, there's no way I'm beating you. Right, there's You're walking me down and like. But, 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 but Ryan said forty, so I can't give you thirty because you only got ten yards to go. You got a thirty yard head start. I All think right. twenty twenty is the magic number. That's where you you put the bets down. The over right. under. I mean, I'm, right. two, I'm two yards long, give or take. I'll just fall forward and I'll get it if you give me thirty. All right. See, the thing is, Will, if you have a decent start, you can kind of roll and win the race. If your start is like molasses, yeah, yeah, it might not um, be good. Uh, before we get into the actual analysis of the game, I do have one more question that I think. Did we talk about this at the Super Bowl in Miami? Everything after that Super Bowl sort of, I don't know if you're, you know, sort of devolved into nonsense, but, um, did we, do we, were we at the bar after the game in Miami talking about Breach's Marathon? No, that was, that was, that was during the week. That was during the week. Dinner. So you remember that dinner. Yeah, yeah, it was at dinner. So, yeah. Okay, so B-Mac was one of the people who debunked it and said it was ridiculous. No, B-Mac no. said this is conceivable. I could see he, – yeah, he yeah. at least admitted it was possible. I said it was possible. I didn't jump on him. You guys jumped on him. Will, you totally jumped on yeah, him. Yeah, it's insane. He's like, yeah, you know, somebody was like, do you want to run a marathon? I was like, okay, sure. It's I'll crazy. train for two weeks. And he went and ran a marathon in, in how long, Breach? Yeah, I, I trained for three weeks, not two, oh, and three and a half hours. Stop it. Did and it. how long was that marathon? 26.2 miles. It's possible. No, B-Mac. Yeah, it's possible. Look at, B-Mac, look at your elbow and then look at your hand. That's how long yep. Breach's legs are. There's no <laughs> way he ran, he ran that fast. Yeah, that makes it easier. Your steps are so short, you don't run out of breath. It's, hey, like, hey, it's right, like speed walking. He got those Kyler Murray st- uh, steps. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you see, that's a professional podcaster. That's a host who knows how to move the topic onto the relevant frame of information. That's a nice segue. About Kyler Murray. Uh, Kyler Murray lost. Yes. On Thursday night, 28-21. The Seahawks win. I, I mean – I don't, I, I think that was an impressive, I don't know if it was a more impressive win by the Seahawks, BMAC, or a less impressive loss by the Cardinals, who I, I hated what they did down the stretch in the second half. Cliff Kingsbury's challenge was actually a good move because there's a free timeout, a free roll there. But mm. other than that, I don't think, I don't think that Cliff Kingsbury necessarily makes really smart decisions in the game at like down, they're in the, they're in, they're at the 30, thereabouts on, they're down seven. 
They take a deep shot. And Larry Fitzgerald's a Hall of Famer. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, top five wide receiver of all time. But you're throwing a like your your play call is Larry Fitzgerald up the seam in, in triple coverage. Then you throw to Andy Andy Isabella at the goal line. And then you take a sack for Kyler Murray. All of that was really disappointing given that it's first, like second and 10, just pick up the first downs and get in the end zone, right? No, listen, it's funny that you mentioned that, mentioned this about, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, because I was thinking the same thing. I'm, I'm like, he seems to be a player's coach. They respect him and he does pretty good. He does a good job offensively and in totality with the entire team, getting them prepared. But in certain critical moments throughout this season, certain ball games, you really see the lack of experience. Yep. You really see some things that we saw surface on the collegiate end when you talk about questionable decisions. Like challenging that fumble? I mean, before I he actually, actually... I actually I actually disagree with that, and I, I thought the same thing at first, but he was going to call timeout anyway. So you challenge it, and if there's a 1% chance it's overturned, you're, you're, you're calling timeout anyway because you're stopping it at like 2.30 on third and long. So it's actually a, it's a free roll on the challenge. That was actually a smart play. I didn't think so either at the time. I, I was, well, well, I, if you, if you look at it that way, then no question, because I thought it was going to probably be a, a, a booth challenge regardless. No, because it was at two 30, I think. So it was outside the two minute warning. So, yeah, it, you know, so, so I thought it was going to be a booth challenge regardless. It was going to be Seattle's ball or maybe but, but, 99%, but throwing the challenge flag actually was the smart play. And the reason why we all thought it was dumb is because we're used to Cliff Kingsbury kicking 24-yard field goals. Uh, also, he's the guy who iced his own kicker the first time these two teams played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry, keep going. It's just a lack of experience. And But one thing that I'm starting to see surface with this ball club, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, the slow starts. It seems like every week this team has a slow start. And they had another slow start against a playoff caliber team, playoff like atmosphere with a lot on the line. They just get, they get off to a slow start and then the penalties, self-inflicted wounds. I think they had around 10 penalties for over 100 yards or something like that tonight. You're not going to win ball games against good teams, especially on the road with crazy bad penalties. That has been something that's followed this team throughout the season on both sides of the football. I mean, a, a penalty in the end zone resulted to points for Seattle that was pretty much the final say-all for them winning that ball game when they got that holding call uh, in the end zone. And that Drake Kirkpatrick penalty, I mean, like, that that right there is like, yo, that led to points right before halftime. That led, that, that was fourth down. They were going, <laughs> going to punt the football. Ten penalties for 115 yards. He taunted DK Metcalf. Like, maybe don't do that. I don't know. I mean, like, and the thing, the thing I don't understand about that penalty with Drake Kirkpatrick, m- multiple times they were trying to restrain him away from Metcalf and he just wanted to look for the beef. He wanted the altercation and then you 15 yards that resulted to points. So think about this two penalties, two bad penalties resulted for points for Seattle and they won this game by seven points. And on that, uh, Kirkpatrick, was it a touchdown or a field goal they ended up with that extended that drive, that penalty that was that a touchdown? Uh, oh, for the Cardinals when uh, DK Metcalf and Kirkpatrick. Yeah, that, I think they uh, scored scuffle. a touchdown. That was he right was, before halftime. They, they they did score a touchdown. That was the first drive after halftime. Wow. Yeah, that was the, the first drive after halftime, and the Seahawks went down and did get a touchdown there. So two penalties resulted in nine points. The touchdown uh, with that penalty you're talking about breach, and then the holding call in the end zone, which was a safety. And the penalty on um, 
Pat P, the pass interference. Pass interference. That was no, that resulted in a field goal. Should have resulted in a touchdown, but DK got smacked in the face of the football and dropped. Yeah, it. yeah. That was another another bad play. So penalties like that, playing against a good team, you can't have those surfers, and that has been something that's followed this team throughout the year. And then couldn't even run the football tonight. I mean, the running game was non-existent. So well, is is this was- a function of? Uh- the, the Seattle defense getting better? I mean, we talked about Jamal Adams not doing anything last week when he came back. Or is this a function of Kyler Murray's shoulder not being great and him looking? He missed a lot of passes, a lot of easy passes, too. Um, I think no one expected Russ to, to continue to struggle. I mean, he started off red hot, threw a bunch of interceptions the last few weeks, and then he got back on track, which is what everyone expected. But I still don't know what to make of the Seattle team because the defense, that's what I'm concerned about. Mm-hmm. Do you see anything, I, I, BMAC, that made you feel better about that defense? Well, they got a guy that can win one-on-one, beat one-on-one blockers in, in Carlos Dunlap. And he had that game-winning sack against uh, Kyler Murray. So that's a plus. Getting Jamal Adams back in the fold definitely hurts this – I mean, helped this team. So those two pieces, I think, can really bring this team together to be more consistent than what they've been so far this season. But one thing I can say, they can't play any worse t- totally as a defense. They're dead last in total yards allowed. Right. They're 30, they're 32nd in the National Football League. So they can't get any worse. I think they will improve, especially when this group gets used to playing with each other with all the new pieces and everybody's healthy. But I can't say this. I think we saw positive steps from Seattle's defense, but we saw something in Kyler Murray that I think he was dealing with a serious injury, not serious, but it was definitely uncomfortable because one thing he didn't really do a lot in his ball game, running the football. Like anytime he ran, it was, he was like, he was so tentative of getting tackled. He would give himself up. I mean, on one third down, he ran the read option and he should have handed the ball off to the runner. He kept the football and there was a defender instead of him making the defender miss. He just decided to give himself up. So I think that showed it definitely was a problem for him throughout the ball game. Yeah, that was actually one exact play I was going to bring up that example because if Kyler Murray's healthy, he tries to juke that guy exactly. and get the first down. You always see him do that. And it looked mm-hmm. like. He was afraid to take a hit, and that shoulder injury happened in the first quarter. And it mm-hmm. looked like he was just playing timidly, whether it was, you know, the Seahawks were getting a lot of pressure, which I don't think he was used to. It was Carlos Dunlap. They've got a couple new guys in the defensive line who come in and just helps right away. And it just looked like he was afraid to take a hit. So you saw yep. him unleashing passes too quickly, and then he was missing guys. I mean, when he missed DeAndre Hopkins wide open, like five yards downfield for what would have been the easiest first down uh, in Arizona Cardinals history. I mean, <laughs> Brinson, we're talking about your athleticism. You could have made that throw. Wilson could have made that throw. I was a baseball player as a kid. So I mean, well, then maybe you definitely could have made that I mean, that, like, that was a tough physical throw, but for Kyler, that's a free. You could have shot That's a routine pass. That's a routine pass. And, and by the way, on that, the, the down y'all are talking about, the play before that, which I think was like second and three, Kyler goes up the middle and slides early. And they yeah. rolled him down a yard short, and that's yeah. why they had to do the, the read option out to the left. And he ended yeah. up, and now it's fourth and three, and they punt because Kingsbury – the weird thing about Kingsbury and Sean McVay, they're young, handsome, offensive guys. They're Pete Carroll, man. They're conservative as hell. Like, they don't want to go for it on fourth down at midfield. They want to punt and, and kick long field goals. Yeah, I feel like yeah. Kyle Shanahan looks at those guys and goes, those guys don't have the cojones I have. Maybe. Well, he's not, he's not afraid, Yeah, I feel like. Um, the Dunlap thing is interesting. Dunlap makes, is kind of making a difference there. Yeah. Well, yeah. let me ask you this. Breach, did he make a difference the first, when he was allowed on the field the first seven or eight weeks in Cincinnati? 
Uh, I mean, he tried to sell his house on Twitter. Does that count as making a difference? He was helping I wonder did he sell his house? Market. Is it still up for sale? That's a good question. I mean, I might look to buy it now if it, it is. It's got to have a discount. It's been on sale for a month. No, I, I mean, so but, Breach, how would you how would you handicap this NFC West race? Mm. I would put the Seahawks on top. I think the Seahawks, what we learned is that they're better than the Cardinals. I mean, if you look at the first game, the Cardinals did not lead the Seahawks for a single second in either game. Even that first game, they didn't lead till the clock was at zero on a field goal in overtime. So they are always playing from behind against Seattle. I think Seattle's just a, either slightly better coach, but you put it all together, I think they're a slightly better team. I think the Rams are the wild card. Uh, I think they're the ones that could maybe win it but j- just because the Seahawks schedule so much easier down the stretch. I would put them at the top to win the division. Well, I don't I know if you that. guys agree. Oh, yeah. I mean, that Seahawks schedule is, we said it last week when they played terribly, that Seahawks schedule is so incredibly easy that even the Jets might win a game on, uh, on, on the, that's not really true. And also too, something we got to factor in, they will get healthy when it comes to running the football. Just having Carlos high was a big plus for them. Yep. Uh, finally, Russell Wilson was not the leading rusher for the ball club, something he had to do over the last two weeks. So you get Carlos high back. Eventually you get Chris Carson back that provides more balance for Russell Wilson. And I don't expect to see the turnovers that we've seen from Russell Wilson over the last few weeks, continue to follow him. If he plays, like he played in the beginning of the season, or not even that good. He don't. He doesn't have to put up these crazy MVP numbers, but play sound football like he did tonight with a reliable running game to rely on. And that defense gets better. Yeah, Breach, I'm right there with you. I think Seattle is the best team in this division based on some of the things we hit on, along with health. If they get healthy, those running backs get back into the fold. That offense is going to be extremely tough. I've got a quasi hot take on this that I think the Rams are actually going to win the division because. Wow. What? Well, but so now I'm, I am curious what you think about this, BMAC, because so the key, the key point for both Seattle and Arizona is that they have this alpha receiver in DK Metcalf and DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. I think right now Jalen Ramsey is the best corner in football and he can lock one of those guys down. You're first, you're forced to turn to your secondary options. And while you're turning to your secondary options, Aaron Donald is breathing down your neck, which is pretty effing terrifying. So I, and I don't, I don't trust your golf, but I trust Sean McVay and I trust the weapons they have. So, and, and that defense is kind of cooking right now. So I think the, the Seahawks schedule will give them the, the benefit down the stretch, but I kind of like the Rams. Now, well, that, is that, that that's going to blow up this Sunday if they get smoked by the Buccaneers. No question. But, but, well, you said you don't trust Jared Goff, but you trust McVay. That's like saying you trust the car, but you don't trust the driver. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's a self-driving car I'm looking for here. <laughs> I don't know how far you're going to go if you don't trust the driver. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. To the I need a self-steering car. I need, McV- I need, I need an extra 10 seconds on that, uh, that helmet to helmet communication. Uh, back. I do have a question for you about receivers before we get to the break. Yep. You are a, a former professional cornerback. Who would you rather face, DeAndre Hopkins or DK Metcalf? Hopkins. Oh, you'd did rather he, face Hopkins. Yep. You didn't even hesitate. Yeah. The reason the reason why is because D Hop is fast, but he's not as fast as Metcalf. I mean, speed kills. Yeah. People are afraid of speed, <laughs> and you guys watch football all the time. When you, when you see a defender playing against a guy that has wheels, you can tell he's afraid and he's respecting that speed, right? And I think when you're playing against a guy that's as big as DK, strong as DK, can run routes like he can, and he can run by you at any given time, you have to respect that. 
and that's too much to worry about. For D-Hop, D-Hop is a fast guy, but you don't really consider him to be a burner. The thing about D-Hop, which makes him so unique and so good, he might be, he's the best 50-50 ball catcher in his era, in my opinion. I think the second best 50-50 ball catcher is the guy he plays with in Larry Fitzgerald when he was in his prime. But D-Hop is like that plus more, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay in going against a guy that can battle me in the 50-50 drills, and he might win more than lose. I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with playing against a guy, if I blink (laughs) the wrong way, he's behind me, and now I'm chasing. I don't want that. DeAndre Hopkins rated a 4-5-7-40 at the combine. DK, 4-3-3. Of course, information provided by the best producer. Podcast producer. Debo. Debo. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll dive a little bit deeper into that NFC West race. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast okay so we mentioned a little debate about the seahawks cardinals and rams hey Brent, before you before you get going let me ask a follow-up question that you just asked uh bmac before the break Going back to the BMAC era. So, BMAC, let me let me list these guys for you, and you tell me where they rank in terms of coverability. Because I think you faced them all. So, Megatron, Andre Johnson, Randy Moss, T.O. Chad Johnson. Sheesh. Sue. You don't want to face, face any of them? <laughs> where do these four Hall of Famers rank in terms of coverability? Wow. I mean, that's just... Well, you let, didn't let me, spare, hey, Ryan, you didn't spare me at all on that one. And uh, no. and Sean Morey. <laughs> and Jerry Rice. Ryan's oh, trying to go Sean viral Murray. by getting BMAC to insult Listen, one of these guys. One of the best special teams play I've ever played with him and Chidi Bang. Chidi Awoma. Chidi is oh, my favorite player ever. Yeah, Chidi. I think the most difficult guy to cover would be Moss. 
Okay. More so than Megatron. kills. You heard yes. him. We just talked about I just talked about speed, right? Megatron ran a four. Boss is like throwing his arm up as you're like, you're like, like in a back pedal. And you're like, why is he throwing his arm up? Oh, that's why. Moss is like a creative player. You might just see him every 40 years. Yeah. One of one of a guy like Randy Moss might come surface. So I would say Ra- Moss would be the guy, the most difficult one, followed by who else was in that list? You said Me- Megatron, Andre Johnson, and T.O. <laughs> Do you ever you cover T.O.? Yeah. And see, the thing about T.O. is I don't know exactly what his 40 time was on paper, but T.O. was super fast. T.O. was a, a strong runner. I feel like, like Metcalf is is the modern day T.O. Yeah. Metcalf is is Ooh, a, a mix. Uh, t- he he is, and it's kind of hard to say this, but he's a he's a more muscle bound Terrell Owens. Wow! And I think he runs better routes than To. I think wow. he has a little more bend than than To. And I, I I like his lateral movement also. You know what I mean when it comes to you know outs, outside routes. And so I'll say, yeah, Metcalf might be a more muscle bound To. But he's also number terrifying two, in the open field. Yeah, and he, another thing that that Metcalf. Like, oh God. And another thing that Metcalf does well, I know we're kind of getting off topic right quick, but his blocking, he really attacks blocking like running routes. You don't see a lot of receivers. Big receivers, you don't do that. Metcalf is trying to play bully ball on running plays, so he's trying to block you. I think number two would probably be Calvin, followed by – man, you're talking about Andre Johnson was a grown man. See, I played against Dre at Miami. Oh, man, yeah, when I was right. at Florida State. Oh, so, that's right. That man, that Miami team was loaded. That Miami team, yes. Is that the one Miami team with like McGahee? Yeah, my sophomore. Yeah, that one Miami team was. Yeah, uh, that was. Y'all were stacked. We were stacked too. When we played them, I think we had a total of thirty something pros on that team mm. between both teams combined, like thirty something pros. I'm uh, sorry. Is this a two thousand? Is this an early two thousands ACC podcast? Maybe it is. Yeah, um, yeah. I would I put Calvin. To Dre, I'll say T.O. and then Dre, and then who was the final one? That was it. That was it. I think that's the correct ranking as a non-professional cornerback. That's amazing. That, it was tough for you, though. Let me ask you one more thing. I know we're off talking about it. I'm curious now. What? So what would Dick LeBeau say about stopping, uh, like Megatron, for example? What's the conversation that week? Well, the thing when you're playing against a an exceptional gifted player, athletically athletically they're probably the best on the field at any given time. So if you don't have that rare defender that can match up with them athletically, just from God given skills, then you have to really prep and study them. And so what we used to do, and the thing I love about being in Pittsburgh, the unique thing that we had in Pittsburgh, guys, was the majority of our defensive coaches played the game, right? So Ray Orton, Dan Perry early in my career, who was a, a, a command of the secondary, they both played in the league. We know Dick LeBeau played for the Lions. Keith Butler played for Seattle. Mitch, Coach Mitch played for Alabama, All-American in Alabama, first African-American, All-American in Alabama, if I'm not mistaken. But the, they all had ties to the actual game. So the way they coached us was not as a coach standing on the sideline. They coached us as a player, being able to improvise on the fly and make adjustments when we weren't prepared to make adjustments. So one thing they would do, if we're playing against a unicorn of a player, like a DK Metcalf, and we might not have a physical specimen that can go toe-to-toe with DK, that's where the game plan comes into place. And what we would do is study everything that they did, not just with the wide receivers, 
but the quarterback, because the quarterback is basically the remote control to the remote control car. That car doesn't do too much without that remote control. So if we can find a way to understand what that remote control, which is the quarterback, loves to do with certain plays when he's targeting that man, now we will all be dialed in. So that was something that Dick LeBeau always emphasized. And if we had a crazy matchup, could be against a running back or tight end, anytime we played against Tony Gonzalez or Antonio Gates, you know, it was a, it would be a group effort. So just because a wide receiver is out there and we know we have to respect him, the defensive line men had something they need to do as well for all of us to be successful. So it was by game plan. It was by prepping. It would be something as easy as this, right? When I watch you, when we used to watch tape together, we used to always try to figure out something about that wide receiver. It could be something as simple as this. We're playing against DK Metcalf. Anytime it's on the passing plate, let's see what foot he puts up, right? And if it's a passing plate, look and see what he does with his right foot. A lot of times when you guys watch games now, peep this out. In, on most passing plays, a wide receiver if they know exactly this is a play they might be getting the football, when they come to the line of scrimmage, they usually grab their, their, their gloves and they grab it by the wrist area. What they're doing is they're tightening up the glove because they want to make sure that glove is in, is in place for when they catch the football, especially if it's a fast spiral. So a lot of receivers, when they know it's a passing play, they get down and they grab that, they grab the wrist of the glove. And usually it be, they do it and don't even realize they're doing it. So it can be little habits like that. When we see that, and now I see him tightening that hand. I might give a signal to my safety. Yo, Troy, in the air, air, air. That means they're throwing the football. Or if I say, yo, Troy, yo, Ryan, yo, Ike, I point in the air, they're throwing the football. Now we're going to echo that throughout the defense. Yo, it's a passing play. It's a passing play. It could be the same thing for certain slot, uh, slot wide receivers, offensive linemen. Tendencies are something that we all have, right? When you wake up in the morning, you got a tendency to go get coffee. You don't realize you do the same routine every day, but it happens in your life. It's the same thing with football players. We all have tendencies. It's like a we poker have to tell. find a way. Yeah, Say it again. It's like a poker tell. Like you, like you, you're telling yeah. what you're going to do by virtue of your actions physically. And you don't realize you're telling it. Yeah. Yeah. That, so little imagine things like that will put us in positions to be successful. Podcast. This is, like, imagine not subscribing to all things covered. No, I mean, like that's <laughs> now I'm like picturing Tyler Lockett, like, pulling his gloves tight and you realize you're like, all right, Russ is, they're not running it here. And like, he's not, he's not pulling those things tight. If he's blocking, you don't care if you're blocking. And Antonio Brown used to do it a lot. Cause I used to practice against him. So we kind of pick up each other tendencies and with all the wide receivers. Anytime I knew it was a pass play, if he dig that first, that first foot, his plant leg in the ground, he's trying to get a grip. Oh, he's coming off <laughs> and he's coming off powerful. He's trying to go. So now I'm just going to try to beat him to the spot. So those are things that our coaches used to do for us. Every major player that we were playing against offensively, we try to pick up tendencies and try to pick it up that it can put us in positions like a cheat code. It's like a cheat code without cheating. You're doing what you're supposed to do, but a lot of people don't realize they have tendencies. And the same could be for us when we get in watched on tape also. Don't try to do the same thing with certain plays because offensive guys and their coaches get paid too, and they might pick up the same tendencies that you're looking for. Well, and like just to add on to that, there I would assume too – you know, as a defensive back, you would watch the film and you would see certain things that a guy would do if he's running a slant, right? Like he might, he might put his left foot a little bit outside trying to get leverage to cut inside. And then you know, you can jump a route, et cetera. Is that right? No question. It's about leverage too. One thing that I know that is different in college football compared to NFL football is splits alignment. Usually when you get a wide split in college football, they're only going one place. That's in. They're running the in route. But 
quarterbacks are so good, you can get a wide split and they still want to come back on out cutting route because the quarterbacks have a stronger arm and they're more accurate. So when it comes to splits, the best way to help you be in positions to understand what wide receivers are going to do with their split, look at the entire formation because formation dictates what the wide receivers will do as well. So what you do is you look at the formation and whatever your game prep told you to do, be prepared to jump that. Don't necessarily do it before it happens, but just be aware of potentially what you could get. So this is for a prime example. Let's say I get a, a wide split, right? The width of the wide receiver is pretty wide. Now, I go back and die, dissect everything that I looked at when he has this certain split. I might get four routes, right? Four routes based on the formation and based on the splits. Now, his first three steps, that would eliminate one route. If he's coming at me straight forward, that might eliminate that uh, stem cutting dig. Now I got to understand I might get a straight go ball. I might get a comeback or I might get an out cutting route. After the 15th step, it's hard to really count 15 steps, but you got to understand where you're on the football field. Now you know if he hasn't break yet, He's running the go ball. Now you you're can get go nine, ball. He, at that point at 15, you're running, you know, he's running the nine route. And you're, yeah, he's probably you're running a nine route. Now yeah. the thing about the nine route is they can, they can improvise and make that create, turn that into a back shoulder fate, which is something I hate. Those are the most difficult pass, passes to defend the back shoulder fate, but it's all about where you are positioned because a quarterback usually throws the back shoulder fate based on the defender. So you're running basically like three different computer programs in your brain at different numbers of steps. No like question. when you see him come off the off the like off the line, you're like, all right, it's one of these two things. And then at like five steps, you're like, all right, it's like, is he going to curl? Is he going to cut in? And then at 15 steps, you're like, all right, it's either a deep end or he's going nine. Yeah, you got to really process it That's quick. A lot of really now the thing is, math. all of that goes out of the window if I'm playing bump and run, right? Because you don't really have time to really think like that because you're in in a combative position. But when you're playing off technique, you're playing with free eyes. So, therefore, you can get a three-step read from the quarterback. I don't know if you guys know what a three-step read is, but that is where I read the quarterback's first three steps. On his third step, if his shoulders are turning, now I'm going to get a short route. I'm going to get a hitch. I'm going to get a quick slant. I'm going to get a quick out from the wide receiver. But usually, too, this is something that I learned from Asante Samuel watching him. He would watch the quarterback pass the three-step read. He would keep his quarter, his eyes on the quarterback going to the fourth or fifth step because even on the fourth or fifth step, if they're turning to their shoulders, now you're going to get an intermediate route, a 15 to 12 to 15-yard curl, a 12 to 15-yard dig, 12 to 15-yard comeback or, 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 or out. That's how he ended up with so many pick sixes too because he's jumping yes. those intermediate routes and yes. taking the house. Listen, Asante Samuels probably was the best quarterback watcher I've ever seen play the game, playing off technique. Because one thing about him, you think about him, right? Asante was never the most gifted cornerback on the field, never was considered the fastest, quickest, whatever. But he was so precise in his ability to, to think and dissect routes based on him court, watching the quarterback. That's all he did. He watched the quarterback, and he was so good in understanding when their shoulders are turning, ball is coming. And he was more right than wrong, and he didn't care about gambling, and he would go at it. So – those are attributes that a lot of corners don't really pay attention to because we're taught only to watch three steps. The first three steps, get your eyes on the wide receiver. But it's okay because you have you have peripheral, be able to still look at the quarterback, but see that wide receiver in your peripheral as well to be able to be in positions after that fourth step from the quarterback or fifth step from the quarterback to be on top of the receiver wherever direction he's going. So, Brenton, let me let me follow up with uh, to circle back to where we started this conversation. I'm what, fried. They what is your what is your best route against B Mac? What route are you winning against? B-Mac? 
And you, can have, um, you can have Russell Wilson throwing you the ball. You can have a legit quarterback. Like, what, what is your go-to route when you have to complete a pass against Bebo? Oh, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going with the full Joe Flacco here. I'm going to do a, uh, a stop and go route. And then on the go, I'm going to flail up like I've been absolutely manhandled by BMAC at press conference. Oh, okay. That's and I'm going to, I'm going to act like I'd be like, oh, come on, BMAC. Come on. That wasn't necessary. You know, like you're scared. I'm going to torture and you're, you're like, it's, it's DPI. Like, all right, let's run it again. And then I'm going to run a really quick in cutting breaker. Just like, it's not even, a, it's not even like a mesh route. It's just. Just, I'm going to run horizontal to the line of scrimmage and catch like a jet sweep. So I was going to say, your, your best shot at a catch on BMAC is a wide receiver screen. But then <laughs> or you get jet sweep. <laughs> but then you get tackled three yards behind the line of scrimmage, so it doesn't even matter that you caught it. Listen, are you a grunter when you run? It looks like you grunt when you run. Is that true? <laughs> no, I'm actually a better runner than people give me credit for. I'm a pretty fast runner. I have a no, sub. You're not. Sean, Sean outran you. No, what, dude, close. whatever. Hey, you can, no, BMAC, you can ask Joy Taylor this. You can ask Jamie Eisenberg this and Dave Richard or Matt Brodsky. All were there. It's on videotape. I have a sub 540 at it, like in the last like five or That's six. That's pretty good. Down in four. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's good. 49640 uh, down in Fort it. Lauderdale at one of those like, stop uh, it. is there any, you it, said they have it video? was on a broken hand and I'm claiming a three and a half hour marathon. This guy's <laughs> claiming a sub 540. Get out of here. No, dude. I'm telling you, it's, it's on video. You I, couldn't, it, you couldn't drive a car sub 540. You didn't want to sub Joy Taylor and Jamie ran the 40 as like a thing that we talked about on the set of the show. I ran a 496. It's hand time. Now I, I give you that, but it's hand time. It was official on a high school track, 496. Uh-huh. I would probably run like a 534 right now. I you gotta I, find this video because I'm pretty sure they clipped it and saved it, right? You would think so. Maybe, maybe they were scared. Maybe it's such a deep state conspiracy that Brinson is fast and they just tortured him. It's like Brenton, I would be shocked if you could get. I would say five seven is your over under. If wow. you think you can run a five three four, uh, no, I probably could. Right, no, right now, no, five three four is off the table. I am out of shape. Well, can you at least run a five six? I don't know. Uh, five, <laughs> six, you can't. What does Eisen run? And that's over six six and change. You know he breaks six. Uh, Brent, you're not running a six, Brent. You, no, you can't. You can't be running a if six. You put, if you put me out there today. It, yeah. like, to, like tomorrow run, runs a six in a suit. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just telling you where I'm at in my life right now. BMAC. You toss me out there tomorrow. I'm struggling to break a six. If you give me a couple of weeks to prep and do some like, you know, do some non like, like, you know, non uh, quarantine six year old child that I'm homeschooling while trying to work a full-time job and deal with oh, my boy. wife in the middle of a football season, I could probably wife. get down to like a five, three. Brenton, we started this podcast by talking about how it was the eight year anniversary of maybe your engagement. It is the six year anniversary of your nonsense. 40 yard race. We were uh, in khakis against man. Jamie Eisenberg. Of the alleged 40 yard race. That took place on November 20th, 2014, based on this tweet you sent out. Feedback. Does a 40 yep. yard dash count if you're drunk? Yes. <laughs> so now, if we're says the yes, NFC yes. West and where things stand as it relates. As it relates to this, I don't know where I'm going with this. Debo, do we need to get that? Get out of here. Debo's dropping video chats. Get out of here, Debo. What are you doing? Just, You're the worst producer on the planet. Oh, wait a minute. I just got a, I just got a text and I just yeah. see a, this is, this is the race. Look at this. He got beat. Mistake. So he Uh-oh. got beat by our former employee, Sean Wagner McGuff. Sean smoked him. <laughs> I'm looking at the video, guys. Is this wheel in the middle? I got to be honest. My biggest regret after that was not that I lost 
or and that I got smoked. You loved oh, my biggest regret was that I went bare. I ran barefoot in the streets in like a backward street of Fort Lauderdale. Like I'm lucky. My I have my feet are septic. <laughs> oh, this you didn't is you have to say backward street, Brenton. You so didn't have to lo- say backward street. This is Fort Lauderdale. He, he lost to Sean, but also those two other folks that no one. Those guys just walked up. After smoking cigarettes, we didn't even know them, and they're like, "What?" Oh, they just jumped the in the race, also. They jumped in I the mean... race, and they came in second and third. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like that sounds like a night I had in Tallahassee. <laughs> I bet you didn't come in last. No, 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 no. I wasn't even racing. I was just watching some of my teammates race oh. dead drunk <laughs> down a hill. Oh, oh wow! Yeah, so imagine how that, and it was a slope in the road that just kind of came out of nowhere. So if you wasn't familiar with the road, that hill was going <laughs> to surprise you. By the way, while while BMAC was dropping, I, I'm sure that we, we I think we've talked about this before, but I was um, I ended up in a deep dive on like college or uh, sports reference in that uh, in y'all's 2003 season, late in the year, November 15th. I was actually down. So my aunt, my whole family, my mom's whole family lives in Florida. A bunch live in Jacksonville and Gainesville area, and then there's a couple that live in the Tallahassee area. My aunt and uncle are huge Florida State fans. I'd never been to uh, Seminole Stadium. Oh, three. We were down there around Thanksgiving. They're like, we got tickets. You, Rick, your dad are going to Tallahassee to see the state, NC State, Florida State game. I remember that game. The overtime game. Yep. yep. 50 to 44. Philip Rivers was on fire that day. Rivers was on fire. I was like trash talking these fans at the Seminole Stadium. All of a sudden it's an overtime. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and just getting like it, it, that place. Is unreal, man. Yeah. Like, like when that when that place is going full Seminole chant, it is absolutely petrifying. No question. T.J. McClendon was the running back. 44? Yeah, yeah. T.A. McClendon. Yeah. T.A. 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 McClendon. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. He's a monster. Jericho Cotri. Jericho Cotri. Oh yeah. Greg Golden. Y'all had Greg Jones at running back. Was it yeah. Ricks or was it? It was yeah, Ricks. Ricks as a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, that man, man, Philip Rivers tore we us up. Crow on the team then. Crow Thorpe. No, Antonio Cromarty. Yeah, I think he was a freshman. Yeah. I, I was scrolling through this box score. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all's defense was absurd. Anyway, yeah, that's right. That's right. Rivers was, Rivers was hot that weekend. B-Mac, I know you've asked this before, but how aggravating it is to pay, play against someone like Philip Rivers who says, Dad, gum it, and, and still talks smack? He talks a lot of trash. You know what I'm thinking? <laughs> and, and, and NC State, he didn't really talk that much trash. Or, or if he did, we didn't really see it or pay attention. But when he got drafted to Chargers, oh, my goodness. And, guys, you see he's still talking a whole lot of trash now. <laughs> but his me? trash talking is almost like it's, it feels fake because he doesn't curse. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it, like it's got fake. To, it, it doesn't seem real. And got it's to, like being trash talked by an 8-year-old. Like, you don't even right. know how to react. You're just like, what? Yeah. You, like, you don't really take it. You're like, what? Serious. Why are you saying that government, man? That's weird. Um, uh, Debo, I don't know. You're in charge. Of it, but Do we need to cover the NFC West anymore? Or are we good? <laughs> no, just, you, you told us who's winning the division. I think the, Rams, the Rams. Rams. Yeah, mark that down, Debo. What, what are the Seahawks finishing? Take. Best case, worst case for the Seahawks and Cardinals record-wise. I mean, Cardinals definitely getting into the playoffs. You don't have any questions about them reaching the postseason. Mm. Let's see. The Cardinals have what do they got? They got uh the Pates. They're playing at New England next. Yep. I don't that think is, that's a lock. It's not a layup. Rams after that. At the Giants. 
Eagles at home, 49ers at home, at Rams. They haven't played the Rams once. So I would look, say worst case for the Cardinals mm-hmm. is eight and eight now the playoffs. No, wow. I, I think worst that case, they, I think worst case is nine. I think they get nine wins. You don't and think- how, if that happens, guys, how big a disappointment is that to be at one point six and three and you finish eight and eight or nine and seven? Huge disappointment. It's not a disappointment if you said at the beginning of the season, hey, this team's going to win nine games because they won five games last year. Like, oh, okay, progress. But now, to your point, at six and three with a lot of expectations and having beat Seattle before tonight, you're like, okay, what happened? Yeah. And also, too, look at it like this. Before losing to Seattle tonight, look at some of the losses. They lost to the Lions. Mm-hmm. They lost to the Panthers without Christian McCaffrey. They should have beat the Dolphins. It's, those are all winnable ball games. And now you got the Patriots who's kind of, you know, getting things together with the Rams. I don't know. I think, I think if they, if they miss the playoffs being a six and three at one point in time with an MVP caliber quarterback, I think it is a disappointment. Well, let me I ask think, you this. Well, if they miss the playoffs, quick, it's a, that's, if it's six and three, but Kyler one Murray's thing, top five MVP, that's a problem. One thing is if Kyler Murray's injury, uh, it stays with him, that shoulder's bad and all of a sudden he's not running the ball. Cause look, uh, just looking at this right now, when Kyler Murray rushes for 20 or fewer yards, the Cardinals are 0-5-1. And and I know we mm. talk about that with running backs. Who cares yeah. if they hit 100 yards? But with him, it's different because he's such a dynamic part of the offense. And when mm. he's not running the ball, the defense you know, doesn't have to worry about it, especially if he's playing injured. So I do think if you take that element out of their game because he's battling the shoulder injury for the next two or three weeks, that could change things. And all of a sudden, eh, maybe they aren't such a lock for the playoffs. So Bree, well, I, th- I think, I, and I agree, I agree with that stat because going into the night, tonight's ball game, they were the number one rushing offense in the National Football League. And it didn't really feel like it because they don't have a featured guy. But a lot of that has to do with, with Kyler Murray running the football that has added to their stats on the ground. But that's when, as a coach, you have to make adjustments because I don't care who you are as a quarterback, how athletic you are. If you're always running the football, there's a good chance you will be put in harm's way, and you might not be able to withstand those hits all the time. So now you got to improvise and try to find a ways find ways to get things going without him always running the football. So, Brentson and Breach, I'll put this to you because you guys are talking nonsense last – must have been Sunday night. Better chance of making the playoffs. Or who would you like to back at this point, the Cardinals or the Vikings? Wow. Well, I'm going to take the six and four team over the. Well, you were talking them up though, the Vikings the other day. So. Uh, the Vikings are the four, four and five. Yeah, they're four and five. Four and five. They got they got Dallas this week, and then Jacksonville, and then Carolina, or then Carolina, then Jacksonville. Okay, so I mean, you should feel pretty good about that. You just said they're going to win five in a row. I think is what you said, isn't it? I, I think that they will get to seven and five. That I I think Dalvin's going bananas the next couple of weeks. I need um, to have them on my fantasy team. I need it. <laughs> so the so the so the Cardinals are six and four, and the Vikings are four and five, and the Vikings have the Cowboys, Jaguars, and Panthers, and the Cardinals have the Patriots, Rams, and Giants. And I'll take the Vikings. Oh, my oh, base is that is that if they would they could lose the Patriots and Rams, that's not crazy. All of a sudden they're six and six, and then the Vikings win their next two. All, all of a sudden right. the Vikings could have a better record than the Cardinals in two weeks. Okay. Okay. Three, we three got weeks, this question. Weeks, do you believe? Weeks. Do you believe you can get into the playoffs with that extra spot? Can you get into the playoffs nine and seven? Legit. I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. I think it's going to take ten wins in the and NFC. I was. I think so. Now, there's also a chance that, I mean, they, they approved the eight team playoff. So. Yeah, just so that's, 
on seven teams now, but yeah, eight obviously makes things a little easier. I think the Cardinals of their six games left will probably go three and three. I think, I think the Cardinals might be, that might three. not be good enough. Right. It might not be. Because there's six games. They, you got New England, the Rams twice, Giants, Eagles, Niners. They've, they gave the Niners troubles last, last year when they were good. I think they'll get the Eagles. Yeah, they'll get the Eagles. Eagles I think the Rams could sweep them. I mean, you were talking about Aaron Donald, and the Rams have done such a good job of shutting down the mobile quarterback because they have to deal with Russell Wilson all the time. And if I think that's what it comes down to. Can you split with the Rams to get to nine and seven and sneak in the playoffs? Jared Goff is not very good. I don't know why you guys are the Cardinals defense ain't that. I mean, like they're not getting after anybody. Russell Wilson was pretty. Jones, they had a backup center there. Yeah, but Ryan Jared Goff is not very good. Team just beat the Seahawks. Okay, so the Seahawks are now seven and three. Mm -hmm. They are at the Eagles next week. Giants eleven wins. That should Jets. that should be a win against Philly. Followed by Giants and Jets <laughs> at home, then yeah, at Washington. They're rolling. Rams at home at 49ers. What is the best case, worst case for the Seahawks? They lose what? Two more games is worst case? Yeah. That's three, worst case. Three is worst case, I guess. I'm at the point now. If this defense can get better, and we don't really know tonight because Kyler was hurt, but assuming they can get better with Jamal and with Carlos. And LJ Collier made a play. He was uh, the pass rusher when they got the safety there. I like this team better than the Packers. I do too. I, I do too. Triple that. Oh, okay. Especially you get Chris Carson back healthy. Yeah. I agree. Carson's a big part of that offense. I don't think yes, he is. Yes, he is. is. Look, what's going to happen after they play the sorry ass Eagles? They're really sorry. I'm only doing this for Debo effect. I know. The Giants and the Jets and then Washington. In four weeks, the Seahawks defense is like statistically going to be top half. <laughs> the best of the defense league. in the NFL. Yeah, like <laughs> they're going to skyrocket because they're playing terrible teams. Russ is going to cook. Can, what, what, uh, Debo, you're on this. What are the MVP odds if they are available? They are actually not updated, unfortunately, right now. I was trying to look. Um, Kyler no Mentor. Kyler Murray entered tonight at plus 650. Russell Wilson was about plus 250, but trailing Patrick Mahomes, who's now the leader. So I think, what do we think Russ is tomorrow morning when people wake up on Friday morning? What, did like, D, what is the deep? I'm sorry. It was around plus 250 entering the game. 200? Does that sound right? Improve a little yeah. bit? Yeah. I think that's a smash. Eagles, Giants, Jets, Washington, Rams, 49ers. Yeah, but he made he hit that he hit that dry spell and it was starting to look like okay he can't do everything and then he played well tonight. Well, would you rather the Chiefs, the Chiefs could go fourteen and two and Patrick Mahomes throws forty touchdown passes and two interceptions? Yeah, that's true. And don't forget if, about if Big Ben. A, if it's close, Russ will beat Patrick Mahomes. Mm-mm. No, he will because of the he's got one interception. Like, he throws forty touchdowns and two interceptions. There's no way Russ is winning it. No, people will yeah. give it to Russ. It's not a I computer mean, vote. I think this is this is Pat Mahomes' award to lose. I no one's even that. talking about him. He's playing so good. That's how good he's playing. No one's <laughs> even talking about him. Would and you rather go to the Seahawks at plus 125 to win the division or Russ at plus uh, 2 to 1 to win the MVP? Seahawks. I'm, I'm not The Seahawks are plus 125, right? I, I like, I feel like that. If you can get plus money on the Seahawks right now with that remaining schedule, that's <laughs> insane. <laughs> Uh, Debo pointing out there's a mirror image between uh, Carson Wentz and Russell Wilson, so that's something to keep in mind. 
What on earth are you doing, dude? It must be a funhouse mirror. I'm not sure how this works. What is this? What, did Fox put this up on the screen? Stats don't lie. Stats don't lie. Evo made that. It's a deep fake. He made it look like Fox made it. He's going to share it all over. It's going to go viral. What is this? Russell not Wilson this and a, Carson Wentz are the same quarterback. A, a graphic of Carson Wentz and Russell Wilson the last four weeks. What, well, that's the, when, they, when they were when Russ was struggling. This is some yeah. NFC propaganda. What is this? Not. I think it's a joke. I think it's a joke. Stats right. don't lie. <laughs> We have we have officially and I'm perfectly fine with eclipsing whatever number Debo and EK gave us for our recap podcast because because B Max on here breaking down the like the mental math of what you do on a route while you're backpedaling to see what a wide receiver is. I can't even I, all all I can do is like picture me trying to think something and then tripping over my feet and falling backwards four <laughs> times as like as the wide receiver is like what, what is this guy doing and runs over and catches it. Subscribe to All Things Covered. You have BMAC, a two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback, talking with his boy, Patrick Peterson, and like also a, like a current NFL cornerback and a stud in the, in the, in the league, breaking it down with great guest, BMAC. Thank you for joining us. This has been the best recap show of, right, Breach? Wilson? Easily? Best recap? Oh, easily. Well, you, By the- you, you guys should invite me more. More. You're always welcome here. You know that. We have you're the same a, producer, a, BMAC. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. our producer yeah, drops the ball and doesn't invite the good guests. I don't, know. I don't even think, I don't even think Debo sleeps. Is that, do I don't think he does either. I don't think he does either. Debo's sleeping like, right now. That's the irony. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. BMAC, I know, you know, it's, you know, we're nearing 1 a.m. right now. I don't know if you have these late nights in you for these recaps. These guys get quite out of hand on, on, on Sunday nights. You don't want to know what hour we're oh, at. The, the uncut. Yeah. Pick six uncut is what <laughs> oh, it should man. be called. BMAC, if you took our outtakes post show, we're all, it's not even getting fired. It's just like, all right, is there a, is there a, like, is there a rocket to the moon that we can Yo, take? <laughs> let me tell you, I, I, I knew you guys were definitely some for real professionals because I, I remember it was, uh, I think it was a few weeks ago and Ryan was up in Connecticut and clearly he had to go over. It was like a long Sunday night game. And I remember he jumped off of HQ. Oh, we'll do do a whole sh- yeah, the, the overtime. He has to go do a whole show with you, with you guys, a whole show, entire show. I'm like, yo, these guys are for real professionals. I knew Ryan had to been dog tired. Oh, every every Sunday night, I have to go upstairs and do that little podcast room in the little room, right? Yeah, and I get he's home, like, I get back to the hotel like tapioca, and he's like, let's go tapioca. Yeah, it's, I get back to the hotel at two thirty usually <laughs> if we're lucky. Debo has this on a schedule, which is great because it, it's like it's it keeps me. There is honestly nothing worse than a Sunday night game going to overtime. You're just like bludgeoning oh, uh, uh, your head on the desk. Like, please, no. God. It was like that. that, that uh, the Seahawks-Cardinals game that was like finished 6-6 in overtime. <laughs> like, please, why? Why are we doing this? This is hell on earth. Um, all right. For Breach, Wilson, and BMAC, again, subscribe to All Things Covered. Appreciate Thank it. See you soon. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.